Hello, my name is Heather Ramamurthy. I've been attending Walnut Creek Presbyterian since the beginning of the pandemic. Shalom. The Hebrew word for peace is sort of like aloha. It has multiple meanings. It conveys wholeness of well-being, contentment, completeness, harmony. John Ortberg in his book, The Me I Want to Be, describes a non-anxious presence as someone who can walk into a room filled with tension and calm everybody down simply by being there. That would describe my husband, Vic. As an immigrant, Vic has faced many challenges that would knock most of us off of our feet. However, he has shown steadiness, resilience, and calm through it all. His secret is prayer. Since we've been married, I don't know a single day when he hasn't spent time in the morning praying. When we used to live in a townhouse in Fremont, there were problems with the HOA management and board. They let the earthquake insurance lapse and the dues were steadily increasing. After some tumult, we replaced the board and Vic became the treasurer. The new board was faced not only with making sure that we had earthquake insurance in a high liquefaction zone and bringing the dues back down to a more reasonable level, they also had to oversee a major property renovation project. They had to paint 320 housing units, re-roof all of them, and replace all of the landscaping. Now, if any of you are familiar with a major property renovation project that involves hundreds of people and a common pool of money, you might understand the potential for conflict. But Vic kept everyone on an even keel with his steady, measured, and friendly demeanor. He's generally like that. And I happen to know his secret. It's prayer. Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by the yoke of slavery. Galatians 5 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27, Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for Heather, if you're out there. I don't know if you're out there in this service or not, but... Um... I'm, I'm a little tempted with that uh, story and the story about Vic and the John Ortberg quote to just call it a wrap and say amen and that's the end of the sermon because that was, I may not give you much more than that in the next few minutes. Um, but welcome to you, especially if you're a kid today, if you're an elementary school student, I've got a quick question for you. 
Uh, how many of you, and you can even just yell this out if you want, how many of you know what this sign means? Peace, was that, that's, that's right. I'm hearing, it's a course, it's a course of pieces. That's great. How many of you um, over 12-year-olds know where this sign came from? Any guesses? Uh, apparently, apparently it was Winston Churchill in World War II that used this as a sign of victory and then a decade and a half later it became a, uh, an anti-war symbol. Um, you can look that up on Wikipedia later and then correct me because there seems like there's a lot of internet stories. But I'm going to stick with Winston Churchill for that. Um, we are here to talk about peace today uh, as we go through these fruit of the Spirit. But since um, we're so glad to have you elementary school students here today, we have a little challenge for you. And Miles, my own elementary school student in the red hooded sweatshirt, had this idea today, uh, this morning actually, that um, here's the challenge for you. If you would count up the number of times in this sermon that I say peace, the word peace, or the word peaceful, and then if you go tell Miles, just raise your hand real quick, Miles, this little guy in the, in the red hooded sweatshirt, uh, he will dispense to you a piece of strawberry gum that he has. And I don't know how many pieces he's still got left. He's chewing some now, it looks like. There might only be four or five pieces, but feel, go right on up, even if you're not exactly right in your count. Right, Miles? We're going to be very gracious about this. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's get into this topic of peace. We, um, we are here to talk about peace as we move through this summer and on all of the nine fruit of the Spirit that Galatians has for us, but I want to spend a little bit of time first just reorienting you to what this is, um, fruit of the Spirit. Summer is a busy time. You might be coming in for the first sermon of the series, I realize. So let's talk about it this way. Uh, a Christian, as you may know, is a person who has come to Jesus Christ in faith, but more importantly than a definition like that, a Christian is a person who God has come to, who God has entered, and who the Holy Spirit, in fact, has entered. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us that, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Holy Spirit lives in you? That's what Paul says. So in a way, a Christian person is a if you can follow me on this, a spirit-haunted person. <laughs> That's just the kind of reaction I was hoping for. Uh, the spirit has come into you, it says. And it's almost, you know, you think about uh, ghosts. When I, was, when I grew up, our pastor always said, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I've memorized a lot of prayers that use the ghost language. So that, this is really the time to bring out the ghost language. When the, when a, in, a, in a scary movie, when ghosts move into the house, they usually do you know, terrible and scary things once they're inside. But the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, when he moves into you, comes into your, the house of your heart, um, he does wonderful things when he's in there. He rearranges, he cleans up the place. He cleans up our heart. He rearranges the furniture, you might say, inside of us. And he does cause us to bear fruit. So later on in 1 Corinthians 3, it actually says that what the Spirit is doing when he comes into a person, when they've become a Christian, is he makes us more and more like Jesus Christ over time. That's what he is up to inside of us, to one degree of glory to the next, it says in 1 Corinthians 3. So the Spirit does this, the Bible tells us, in his own timing, in his own way. That's why if you meet someone who is a Christian who um, maybe is a new Christian, they still might, might not be a very nice person. 
takes a while. The Spirit does his work in his own way. You'll meet people that don't know Jesus Christ who are really pretty nice and peaceful and great. Um, And so there's no way to tell from the outside exactly where someone is, but we're just saying this is the truth from the Scripture. When the Spirit comes in, he makes you more like Jesus, and these fruit start to blossom over time in your life. Another quick thing to say about the fruit of the Spirit, I think we're saying this probably almost every week, is that they are singular, not multiple in a way. There are nine of them, but it's not like you get to pick and choose. It's not like some people are really good at joy, other people are really good at peace. The Bible seems to say in calling them fruit is that all of these, when the Holy Spirit is in you, all of these qualities of character will start to emerge um, slowly perhaps, but um, together as a, as, a, as a unity. And the last thing to say about fruit of the Spirit before we get into peace is that it's not as if being a Christian and being spirit-haunted in this way uh, is a thing that happens apart from Jesus Christ. It's not like it's a little virtue project over on the side that God kind of makes you into a better and better person. Jesus Christ is still right in the middle of all the action of the growth of fruit. And the reason we know that is that the scripture tells us in various places, we'll look at it more in a minute, but the way that we grow is as we keep looking ourselves at Jesus Christ. You know, there's a, a principle even from the Old Testament that you, you are what you worship, or to put it another way, you begin to resemble that which you pay most attention to. So if you in your life are paying most attention to your phone and most attention to TikTok, that's, that's what you most look at, you're going to start to dress like the TikTok stars, you're going to start to talk like the TikTok stars. If you're older and you pay most attention to cable news, if that's what's on in your house all the time, and you're paying attention to those anchors and whatever type of cable news you're doing, you're going to start thinking like those people, you're going to start talking like them, you might even start dressing like them. This principle rings true in our Christian faith as well. If we pay most attention to Jesus Christ of any other object of our gaze, we will start to resemble Jesus Christ. And so in the mystery of the way that the Trinity works, the Holy Spirit is there attending us, haunting us, as it were. And as we pay attention to Jesus Christ, he starts to build into us the fruit of the Spirit, these nine qualities that Jesus himself had in his life par excellence. Well, that's the big backdrop. That's half the sermon, frankly. But let's talk about peace very concretely, because that's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, Peace is a, a term that I, it's, it's used widely in our culture. It's not just a Christian term or a Bible term. When you think of the word peace or a peaceful person, what comes to mind? You can, um, you can answer out loud or you can just do it quietly to yourself. What would be a synonym of peace? Pa- patience, well, you're getting it. That's, that's next week, next sermon. That's good, though. <laughs> Serene. Yep, calm, serene. That's great. I didn't even write down serene. Mellow, you might even say. Non-combative, if you want to cram in some more syllables. And these are all really good qualities to have, to be mellow, serene in the right places, to be not argumentative and such. The biblical sense of peace goes even deeper than that. And it would say that peace is really an inner quality of character that comes from having a trust in God's wise control of your life. 
Peace comes from resting in God's wise control of all of the details of your life. Um, it's a calmness when you face stressors of various kinds, knowing that since God is in control, his ways are always the highest and best ways, and he's got you. He's got your back. He's your foundation. The, um, the parable from Matthew chapter 7 that Heather read is the parable of the, uh, the wise and the foolish builder. It's, it is a parable that does illustrate this quality of peace in a way because you've got contrasted in that parable two, two buildings, really, two builders who, you know, one builds his house on sand and so there's no real strong foundation. And when the stressors of life come, when the winds pick up, when the, the water levels rise, you can imagine he's inside that house just kind of freaking out. He's got anxiety, not peace, because he doesn't know if the roof's going to stay on. If you're a kid, have you ever, or even an adult, have you ever been through one of these winter storms that we have where you're just laying in bed and you just hear the house shaking? And you're just wondering, is the roof going to actually stay on? Is the door going to come flying open? As an adult, we're thinking, is that branch that I didn't trim on the tree last fall going to finally, tonight, break free and come sailing through the window? Uh, when your house is built on sand, you don't have peace because you're, there's no real foundation. But the builder, the wise builder, has built his life on God, on the rock. And so even when life comes at him with all of the stressors, when the winds pick up, when the rain really comes down, when the water levels rise, there's an inner tranquility of heart because he knows he's going to be taken care of. It's, you know, it's worth noting, especially because, as I always think, one of the biggest um, ways that uh, Christian preaching, probably worldwide, gets, gets it wrong on points like this is this thing called the prosperity gospel, which is really no gospel at all, which says that if you trust God enough, there will be no storm. If you trust God enough, there really will be no, nothing bad will happen to you ever. Uh, but we're not saying that. Even in that parable, the person that's got the house built on the rock, he's still in there with the, the wind is whipping up. It says, I mean, the language is really pretty severe. It's like the house just gets beaten by the wind still. There's still the beating that goes on. But there's someone that's got the peace of the Lord because he's resting in the good providence of God, the control of God in his life, knows that no matter what happens, really, he's going to be taken care of. He's fundamentally safe. That's really the picture of spirit-fruited peace, is someone who is taking his life, building it, anchoring it on God, God's word, God's goodness, God's providential care of every detail of your life. You'll still be battered, but you'll have a resolved peace knowing the God of the universe is with you. And that's, um, this is the second time up here that I'm, we could end the sermon right now. If you walk away from this sermon hearing only that peace will come into your life to the degree that you look at God and recognize that he is in control of your life, that no matter what happens to you in this life, you will never lose him, you'll never lose his love, You'll never lose his loving favor, that he is a bedrock for you. This is what fuels a life of peace. Well, how do you get more like this? Because it sounds pretty good. A lot of us deal with anxiety at different levels, and um, some anxiety is unavoidable, but how do you become a more grounded, peaceful person in this way? 
these, um, you know, all these nine fruit of the Spirit have other verses in the New Testament that unfold them, so sometimes we're bringing in a few other places. So Philippians 4, 6 through 9 is probably like the locus classicus, the, 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 the quintessential text on New Testament peace. But in that passage, Paul says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That was a lot. Let's just break that down. What Paul is saying right there is, when anxiety comes, don't be anxious. <laughs> it's almost a contradiction. Don't be anxious because do this instead. Make your requests known to God. Do pray to God in the face of the stressors and the losses that come. Put words to the anxiety. Go to God in prayer, but do it with thanksgiving. And so what you're really saying there, and, and if you do that, if you come to God with thanksgiving, ultimately you will be filled with peace. His peace will fill you. It will surpass all understanding. It will guard your hearts and your minds. Thanksgiving is one of the keys. Gratitude is one of the keys to living a life of peace. Because what you're saying to God when you pray gifts, prayers of thanksgiving is, uh, Lord, X, Y, and Z, stresses are happening. The waves are rising up. The wind is coming. I'm, I'm admitting that I'm scared, but I thank you. What are you thanking him for? You're thanking him and saying, no matter what the outcome is to my house, my life, my anything, I trust that what you're allowing to happen to me is good because you're good. So you can thank God in any circumstance if you really trust him because you know that nothing that happens is outside of his gracious will, even if it doesn't feel gracious in the moment. Thanksgiving is an act by which you turn over the reins of your life to the loving Lord of every detail of your life. So there it is. Thanksgiving is one of the practices. There are practices that align with the development of fruit, and that's one of the main ones. A life of gratitude does lead to a life of peace. Well, there's one last problem, though, that might sabotage all of this, I realize. And uh, I, I guess it's the problem of, I feel like in Christian ministry and evangelism, or even just talking about the things of God with people, if you keep saying to people, like, but you know, just remember that God loves you, eventually someone's going to come back and say, why are you, are you so sure? How are you so sure that God is for me? How are you so sure that he, he has favor toward me that I can trust him in all these ways? And that just raises, I guess, maybe the most foundational question here is, and it's, it's really my final point, there is a difference between the peace of God and peace with God. So far in this sermon, we've just been talking about the peace of God. Jesus was filled with peace himself because he trusted the Father in all things. We become filled with peace when we trust Jesus who brings us to the Father. But peace with God is a description of a quality of relationship that you have with God, especially God the Father, I'd say. And Romans 5.1 is one verse that tells us how peace with God comes about. And Paul says there, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us, outside of us, not inside of us yet, but outside of us. 
for us, objectively, out there. Another way to say that is before you can have peace on the inside, you need to trust that Jesus Christ has brought you peace on the outside with his Father, by as Romans 5.1 says, the things that he has done for us. You know, the heart of biblical Christianity is to look at Jesus Christ and to see what he has done on the stage of history on our behalf. He was God. He became God in the flesh when he was born in the manger. He lived a perfect life before his father and gave us credit for that. And then he died ultimately on the cross in obedience to the father and in order to bring you to the father and ultimately to bring you peace with the father. Some of us have a creeping sense that we're not right with God. And it's right to have that sense, in a sense, because the scriptures tell us that we do have a sin nature that actually opposes God. We've got a part of our nature that really is not at peace with God. We, we're threatened by the fact that he wants to have control of our life. We're threatened that he wants the reins. We don't like the idea of his claims of lordship. We want to be the Lord. So there's, we've got a beef with God in our sin nature. What Jesus Christ came to do is to eliminate the beef with God, to die so that that loss of love could be atoned for. And so when we have faith in Jesus Christ, what we're saying is, Lord Jesus, you died so that I could be at peace with your Father. I accept that gift that brought me peace. Now, Lord, may you fill me with the spirit of peace so that I could sense that peace and be a tranquil and calm person. But the first step is always to come to Jesus Christ asking for the peace that he purchased for us by his death for us. And I'll just close in this way. Paul says at the end of that very passage, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What Paul is saying, take everything that I've said to you to heart. What Paul most says to all people, if you look at all the times he opens his mouth in the scriptures, he's almost always he's talking about Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what he keeps saying. That's my main thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Paul says, as you pay attention to that, the God of peace will be with you. I'm going to send you off with that as the first step in peace. Whether or not you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, it's always the work of the Christian to look back at Jesus Christ and what he has done for us in order to develop waves of increasing peace, increasing fruit of peace within us. You gotta keep telling your little anxious heart the way I have to every day. Keep telling your little anxious heart, Jesus Christ came for you to bring you peace. Jesus Christ died for you to bring you peace. Jesus Christ calls you his friend. Jesus Christ had, has made peace with you. Jesus Christ has removed all of the blockages, blockages between you and the Father. When that penny drops and it needs to drop and keep dropping and drop again, the peace of God will fill you. Let's, um, let's pray some of that in. That's, that, that's the work of a lifetime. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit is the one that's in charge of that work. But we're going to do what we did, do every week this summer is to pray John's thoughts prayer. This is, um, you know, he's one of my personal heroes. He was a great Anglican minister and biblical scholar. He would pray this prayer every morning when he got up. We're just taking the middle excerpt out of it. But um, we've got this, I think, on the screen. I'm going to change the language a teeny, teeny, tiny bit from all the eyes. I'm just going to say we, since we're gathered together. But let's uh, bow our heads and pray these truths in.
Heavenly Father, we worship you as the creator and the sustainer of the universe. Lord Jesus, we worship you as the Savior and the Lord of the world. Holy Spirit, we worship you as the sanctifier of the people of God. Heavenly Father, we pray that we may live this day in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, we pray this day that we may take up our cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, we pray that this day you will fill us with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in our life. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen.